0: It just seems interesting to study maybe Brazil, Guyana, Argentina. If you just say Latin America, it seems it's going to be quite an interesting year for that whole sector for different reasons, of course. But any thoughts on those countries in particular? Yes.
1: It's unfortunate that for Latin America, they always jump from extreme to extreme. Uh, So we've seen it in several countries where they go from the far left to the far right and they go back to the far left. And this is not good for investment. This is not good for people. This is not good for economic stability or political stability. So let's start. Uh, let's start with Venezuela and Guyana. Uh, this is kind of a very strange situation, uh, and I don't think it's going to lead to military escalation. Uh, I am not talking here about conspiracy theory. I'm talking about a historical fact. A historical fact is that every time a country that become became an oil producing country and they have—they are uh, uh, flush with money, the United States will come to them and say, it's time to buy arms from me. If you refuse, I will have you buy arms from me. So what was strange about this is that there was sanctions on Maduro. All of a sudden the Biden administration wants to remove or at least ignore those sanctions and they start giving exceptions Uh, to some companies, to increase the production of Venezuela and ease the economic situation in Venezuela. Why? What did Venezuela do? Uh, The Biden administration was successful in lowering oil prices. Oil prices are low, and probably they will stay at the current levels for a long time. They don't need the extra Venezuelan oil because it will take a long time to have a major increase that affects the market. So what they need from Venezuela, that's number one. The other one is, why all those meetings from the State Department and the White House with the Maduro regime, and people saying, well, they want to organize the Venezuelan elections in 2024. The U.S. is organizing the, the Venezuelan elections in 2024? Are you kidding me? So why those meetings? And all of a sudden, Maduro comes out and start talking about Guyana, And all of a sudden, Guyana is conducting military exercises with the United States and planning to buy U.S. arms. What the funny thing is, what Maduro did is a copy of what Saddam Hussein did with Kuwait. The same rhetoric, the same talk. So if you want to go back to to history, where are you going to stop? Are you going to go back to 1500 or 1700 or 1870 or where you are going to stop? So Guyana's production is going to be more expensive now because of what happened, but the ability of Guyana to increase production to a million barrel by 2030 is very high. So we will see that. There is no way the US government is going to let Maduro take over ExxonMobil and Chevron. There is no way. And one of the ironies is Chevron, which is the target of Maduro, because he already give them uh, kind of a, a time limit where they have to turn the assets to. Chevron is developing Maduro's fields in Venezuela. So that, that, that's one. For Venezuela to increase production, they can increase production by additional two hundred to 300,000 barrels a day in the short term under certain conditions. But that's it any major increase by the time of US election. uh, next year, they can add another 300 to 400. But that's it. To have one to 2 million barrels, you need several years for uh, Brazil. Brazil is one of the hottest areas. I mean, you have the two hottest areas in the world right now are Norway and Brazil. Okay, we expect that production to increase unless Lula goes crazy on kind of extreme left ideas and try to destroy what they have built. But this is very hard. I think Lula already learned the lesson. And if you look at, uh, the way he played it with, uh, OPEC and OPEC plus when he said he wants to join OPEC plus, and then he retracted that, etc., And now we find out basically it's nothing burger. Uh, so Brazil is safe on that side. As for Argentina, Argentina is the craziest place right now. And uh the, the current president, uh, uh, Javier Mele, he needs to be very careful in terms of going to the extreme, because we've seen this before, and he already gone to the extreme. And if he really wants real change, he should do it slowly. And instead of doing it quickly this way, of course, his supporters are saying, well, this will be painful. We have to go through the pain well till that to the hundred to the uh, massive majority of poor argentinians who are going to experience um poverty who are going to experience inflation who are going to see a massive income gap between the rich and the poor because of it we've seen it in other countries by the way so this is nothing new we've seen it so he should have gone slowly and he is not and Uh, The idea that Argentina will be able to increase oil production substantially, I don't think so. There are so many problems in that sector. At the same time, domestic consumption is going to be affected in so many ways uh, by liberating their prices, and I think we might see demonstrations, massive demonstrations in the streets uh, very soon.
0: I agree. We, we have a huge debate in Norway about nuclear. I just saw that Japan is maybe trying to, to get nuclear up and running again. Do you have an estimate for nuclear 20 years ahead? Because it's, it's a quite a complicated topic, but yes. people I trust say it's, it's just too expensive. So if you don't need it, don't build it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
1: Everyone is switching to nuclear right now. Several other countries that do not have nuclear are going for nuclear. So this is going to happened despite the cost, despite everything else. And the reason why, because again, back to COP28 and the change in the narrative, we have a realization right now that solar and wind are not going to do it. And we have, <clears throat> we already have seen the cost of offshore wind going through the roof. Aside from the fact that several environmental groups are fighting them. So, Going back to nuclear is really the way to go, despite the, the, the initial cost, that's one. Of course, the technology improved substantially over the last 30 years. So well, what we are going to have is a completely different story. Uh, and at the same time, we have to realize that once you have nuclear, and this is, this is what the main lesson out of the war in Ukraine, it is a domestic source. Yes, for some countries, they need to import uranium or enrich uranium. But here is an irony for your listeners. Despite the war in Ukraine, despite the sanctions on Russia, the EU and the Biden administration imports enriched uranium from Putin until today. And the question is, why Putin did not cut them off and how he is getting paid? So the idea here is, those who are afraid of nuclear, et cetera, et cetera, uh, this is a done deal right now. We are going nuclear. Many other countries, especially in the Middle East, are going to go nuclear. Of course, we are talking about uh, uh, nuclear for power generation here. So we are going to see that, the, uh, this trend because that's the only way we can fill the gap while we are achieving some of the climate goals. And let's remember one more time, That Germany got rid of the nuclear, not because nuclear is bad. They got rid of nuclear because of their agreement with Putin for Nord Stream 2. So it wasn't because nuclear is bad at all.
0: It's a fascinating uh, time we're entering. Maybe just a a final question, and then I'll let you off the hook. Uh, For people, investors listening, who wants to find Alpha, any topics, where do you sort of point directions? Where do you think people who do their research can find alpha in 2024? Is it getting harder year by year to find alpha in investing or are there always opportunities if you're willing to, to do the research?
1: We, we are ending up with a serious problem right now. We've seen it in the last three years that uh, funds that focus on oil, they were hyping oil big time. And that's really, I mean, th- th- this is a big, a big problem. And if we don't stop them, people are going to be burned. And a lot of people got burned because of them. Okay. So the idea here is do not follow those funds because they are promoting their own funds. Okay. The other thing is when we look at these things and try to, uh, some people think if I get two different opinions, then I am fine. This is not the right approach because both of them could be wrong in this case. What you want to do basically is you really want to see over and use your experience to see who is more practical than others. To give you an an example, I have people who criticize me because I changed my views as the market changed. They have the impression that if you are bullish, Then you have to stay bullish all along. Those guys should not be in the market. They should not think about investing. So I've seen, uh, I mean, and they are not a small population. They are a large population, okay? They should realize that things could change on daily basis, on hourly basis, and they should be really flexible. And this is probably the best advice I can give them right now is they should be prepared to be super flexible as the numbers change. So we did change our views in 2023, and we are proud of the fact that we did the change early and before others as we've seen the numbers change. And if they want to benefit from it, probably they should be as flexible.
0: Well, let's end there on us. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a big privilege to have you on and I wish you a very good year ahead. Thank you. If you like this episode and the content we produce, head over to my YouTube channel. Just type in Christopher Vonheim. See you next time. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Vonheim. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christoph Evonim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.